Well, good morning, Open Dorians. I'm Mark Williams. I'll be your tour guide today. We've done this before. I think there's probably some YouTube video or security footage from the last time that we can tap into. I just want to touch on this. Now, Father's Day, all the ads for Father's Day happened last weekend. The three... uh, Pocket tees at Big Five for men, three of them for 10 bucks. Last week, so you go to the Target ad, I love the Target ad that all the men's clothes were being advertised last week, but look at this bad boy right there, huh? That's a pool for those of you that still get the newspaper <laughs> delivered to your house. This is in, this is in the advertising. It's a three-story inflatable pool. Now, every, every father in here is going, oh, my God, make that go away. Please. <laughs> Just blowing that up. <laughs> That's why we died 10 to 15 years in front of you ladies. <laughs> but then you read in the fine print, it says, inflates in two minutes and includes continuous high-speed blower. You need an aircraft engine outside your bedroom window. <laughs> keeping the pool inflated while you build the cool deck around it because I'm not taking it down. (laughs) Once it's up, it's up. And every father's looking at this going, oh, please make that go away. But every father is in here going, I'm first on the slide. (laughs) Well, so it's Father's Day, day we celebrate dads. Um around the country, discussions in churches are trying to weave uh, that into discussion about Christianity, the Bible, good living, bad living, clean living, how to, what not to do, what not and how to do, all at the same time we have to do. So here, I'm letting you off the hook. We're not going to talk about any of that. Forget that we're going, uh, if you came here, to learn how, how not to, or note-taking on the minor prophets. Today is not going to be your day. This was a hard task in researching Father's Day biblically because um, when I started looking for father examples in the Bible, I came across something pretty interesting. There aren't any good fathers, examples of fathers in the Bible. So I'm, I'm questioning myself. I'm going, well, that can't be right. It's the Bible. Okay, we've got to have something. Give me an example. So I go to the all-knowing Stuart Black. And he'll give it to you in the Greek, Latin, ancient Hebrew. And so I give him the same question. And he comes up, and it made me feel great because my three choices were some of his choices. So, you know, if you get one out of three right with Stuart, that's in, in Major League Baseball, that's batting 333. That gets you in the Hall of Fame. So you're feeling pretty good about yourself. Fathers are not depicted well in the Bible. There's virtually no description of a father being a father in that book. You want to look up examples of how to be a dad or even a husband? Stay away from Abraham in his early years. How about King David? There are hundreds of little Davids and little Davidinas running around his castle. Well, what about, what about Joseph? I mean, the, the father of our Lord, or the earthly father of our Lord. There's got to be something good on him. 
They don't even know if he was alive at the time of the crucifixion. So for Father's Day, you might be expecting a how-to instead of, I'm going to tell you a story today. A love story. Exactly what every man wants to hear on Father's Day. Story that I participated in. A story between a father and his children. My experiences, especially recently. A story about fathers, a particular father, a group of fathers, following the lead of one, but each finding their own legs in the heat of one of the greatest and most glorious moments ever witnessed by our dad, our God, because he was right in the middle of it. A little background, I'm, I'm a father of three children. I got a runny nose, so it's Father's Day. So don't mind if I go to the sleeve, right? I'm a father. I'm 60 years old. Deal with it, okay? So I'm a father of three grown children. They have married good people, and between them have given me nine grandchildren. I have nine grandchildren. Please don't ask me their names. And birthdays go from, like, Two to 17. I figure we bracket that in. We've got all of them figured out. I I think we measure ourselves by those elements, don't we? Children, instead uh, instead of things like being a CEO of the Mark Williams Endowment Fund Incorporated or Tundra Fidelity Insurance Institute of Global Studies, which don't exist. I just made that up. I don't measure myself by those things, but... I have been trying to see life through life. So when people ask me what I do, I seldom lead with that I am a father or a grandfather. I often tell them my identity through my work. I think men do that a lot. We all have an identity in what we do, maybe not so much as to who we truly are, the adopted sons of the God of the universe. I see reality being where dreams are born. And over the years, as I have aged, I have been able to see and understand Dad, our God, occasionally on how and why he moves the way he does. And sometimes, sometimes, he lets me see him move while he is moving. We all probably have and just haven't put the action with the God of the universe. It is an absolute incredible event. We, our society in particular, every Christian society, our whole Christian society seems to tell us, encourages us to step out in faith, be bold. Be childlike, whatever that means. Trust, and yet our world has us in such a place that all we want to do is lay down and sleep. Nap, go fishing, check out, and never check back in. Paying bills, being a parent, please, for the love of all that's holy, just give me five minutes alone in the bathroom. (laughs) The result is we get discouraged and the evil one has gotten his place, his little piece of our flesh. He hasn't won the war, he never has that, but he has made our life just that much more disheartening and so that stepping out gets pushed back. So what would you say if you heard a story of just that feeling and desire by people you know, 
But the twist in the story is that God we do not see, we do not see, actually shows up. So let me tell this story that is just that, a witness to the movement of the hand of my dad, our dad. Some in this room, coming for the first time, testing the waters of belief, might wonder if this is for you. Maybe you're coming today to get the big picture to the big question. Is God real? Can you prove it to me today, right now? All I can offer you is this room of believers at various and different levels of trust. To ask you to stay and see, see if what you hear draws you back to hear more. This God, this God thing, I have found is a journey. Not a sprint, but a marathon. An ultra, sometimes miserable marathon. But there is glory for you now Nowhere else that you'll ever find in your heart at the end. A quick footnote for those of you uh, new here. I have been recently widowed. I lost my wife to a fight with cancer in March of this year. How and why a story about Joni dealing with me as a father, my children, you, I think, or at least I hope, will show itself. There is much in the Bible about what and how to live life. All of it is encouraging. There is a piece written by the psalmist. Where are we at here? There's a piece uh, written by the psalmist that we as a family carry written on a small chalkboard. Almost as a banner in the war waged with the cancer. After a long while, it has become what you see. It's become very worn. At the beginning, you could read every letter of each and every word. Now, at the end of the fight, it's tattered. It has flown over every scene of the battle and Joni's eventual evacuation. And when people looked up and saw it, it did exactly what it was intended to do. It inspired. It inspired. It inspired. And in doing so, Feet kept moving tired, weary frames of bodies forward. Psalm 4610. That's what it said on the chalkboard. Be still and know that I am God. It was this verse that was our mantra this last year. It spent some serious time in combat, and I'm not using that metaphor loosely. Good versus evil. We're slugging it out for Joni's, uh, from Joni's cancer return on February 17th, or February 2017. God had won the war and eternal life was assured, but getting here, getting her to that evacuation station was going to be a slugfest. Satan did not want to let things just ride out. He wanted to use any piece he could to cause us to doubt that God that watched over us was in any way in charge or had the last word. Backing up in time a bit, just before Thanksgiving in 2000, my wife got breast cancer. It was at the end of one career and the start of of another. The holidays were upon us. Three children were no longer children, and life didn't just have room for cancer, especially one that the oncologist said was angry and had teeth. 
The treatment was straightforward, standard chemo, very little chance of an impact later, about 1% or so. And we as the family took our wife and mother through surgery, reconstruction, hair loss, and nausea. That was a train ride no one really wanted to do, but we did that. We walked through it. Somewhere in there was Dad. He was there, although as I penned this for you today, I could not tell you where and to what extent. It's funny, when you are in the middle of the fight, you are close to those who have the caring to protect you and love you. Those moments seem to fade, maybe replaced by others more current, like returning cancer. Sometimes there was a lull, days, weeks, years, but vigilance for the clues that the illness might be back never faded and distracted from the true focus of who we were. I don't think I strung together three days uh, in those 17 years where my ears did not perk up at something dealing with the symptoms. For 17 years we waited, living life, but waiting just the same. Then the cancer made it real again. The illness came back, and it was that 1% chance that was now a reality. Joni had what we believed to be a therapeutically induced cancer. The chemo that saved her from the first cancer caused the second. We entered the ring again. It was fought back with what could only be described as voodoo treatment. Three doctors in a bar in Texas had to come up with this. Weird stuff always comes out of Texas. Velcro, toaster ovens, ACDC. What is that? I got their music on my cell phone, but that's... Um, you take the stem cells out of one human being, you put it in another, and they grow. And it worked. But the odds were dramatically against the success of the project. Statistics that unless your wife specifically asks and wants to know, you don't share. And just about... the a year, it came back. It probably had never left. Hiding somewhere undetected and then quickly taking our family into a controlled crash landing for last March and February and March. So we come back to this banner, the verse, and what does that have to do with Father's Day? What, in fact, does any of this story have to do with Father's Day or even fathers? Like I said earlier, when you look In the Bible, there are few, if any, good references for men as fathers. There are warriors, there's politicians, all kinds, but not necessarily fathers. We are left with the ultimate father in which to be a model for us. A model, frankly, we will struggle to ever achieve, model, except maybe in pieces, until we go home. So if there is no real earthly role models and the model God gives us is unobtainable, then why try? Why am I bothered by doing good or being good if I cannot achieve what God has laid out? I want to do something. I want to do. The times recently and going back for decades all have led to this point where I am today. It's easy looking back, seeing the hand of God as we move forward and then where we are now. But during those times, while the ship is moving, while the trees are falling on us in the forest, it's difficult to see Dad as really anything other than random. We find ourselves doubting, and the question is, why are you doing this, God? Why are you letting this happen? 
We build faith in our lives based on our own abilities to perform. Our own ability to see and do and get things done. And it gets more acute as the situation or season of life unfolds. At least it did for me. So when the cancer came back a year ago, February, it was not too much of a shocker. It was almost, and I say this without being crass, but almost a relief. The dragon had finally showed its head after all these years, and now it's out in the open. Father's Day, the celebration of the position of Father God does provide endless hope, endless mapping of what and how, knowing that his child, his child, his only child, his son will take our place in our brokenness. The word of God endlessly tells us that what and who to depend on. Because who in this room can do this by themselves? That was one thing that we talked about during Joni's illness, how people do this without God. And they do it. They do it. Romans, in Romans 12, verse 2, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So what happens when you fall down? What happens when you stumble? What happens when you crash? Dependency on God is all we got. It has taken decades, seasons, plural, for my mind to be transformed. And here's the fun thought. It won't be complete until I go home. It is a forever process. If it was not for my for this daddy to speak to my life daily, sometimes in shouts, but mostly in whispers. What transpired over the years and during the battle in March would have been a landmark train wreck. You see, the train wreck was coming no matter what. How I would handle that train wreck was all that was to be decided. So it all came down to me as a father of three grown children, a husband, a grandfather. It all came down to me as the head of my family. What was I going to do in this firestorm? I had three children, three of their spouses and their children, my grandchildren, watching, waiting, depending, loving, trusting in God. And me as their father. I could run, but run where? I could get angry. In my younger days, I would get so tired, I had a patience of nothing. I could try to juggle all of it and maybe manage some. There were too many moving parts in this season of the story. I could not juggle, and I was too worn and too tired to be angry. So I decided to trust my faith. It took years to get here. Maybe just for this moment. Looking back and seeing Dad's work... He had been, as a father, training me for this time for years. It came to my mind, you think about it, but until the world becomes small and intimate, like what happens with a death, you really don't know what or how you will respond. So, the sign. It was at every battle, 
from such places named the transplant unit, the clinic. final battle, the evacuation site, Ryan House. I don't have enough sleeve to wipe my face on. <laughs> oh, come on, dads, tell me you haven't done that. At every scene, there was a sign, that sign, now worn and faded, stood vigil. It had reminded us of just what it says, be still and know. It was meant for me. If I was to lead this family through this event of the Father, I need to learn and listen and most importantly, follow my own dad. Be still and know. I could hear him reminding me, I could hear his voice at the last battlefield, it was not a pitched good versus evil fight. Ryan House, a name that will be remembered for those who stood there for the rest of our lives, was an evacuation center where the wife and mother was to leave, but most importantly, was a testimony to the father who stood by us and held us, laughed with us, talked to us, loved us while we were there. Instead of anything in which we, I, were the center, our family's perceived purpose was to allow for the smooth evacuation of the wife and mother sending her home. But it was more than that. It was grace. It was God. It became the most holy of holy places for two and a half weeks. God was notably present. We had a plan, one you never want to form or talk about, but it was perfectly timed, a perfect opportunity, and perfectly executed. It was from God. And we were present when he showed us and began to move. In one of those bedside discussions, you wish, uh, which included such fun questions as, where do you want your ashes scattered? And resolving fears of pain, Joni and I agreed to a division of work. Okay, I was going to put my sick and dying wife to work. Okay, that's me. While she was still conscious, the wife and mother was to love everyone that showed up to the room, her beachhead, while she waited for dad on his final evacuation order. She didn't have to call them in. They just showed up. Not only family and friends, but doctors, nurses. The hospital minister came and got comforted by, um, comforted, and were all told who they were by a woman who apparently was talking directly to God himself. We, her husband and children, were to spend their time with her, painting her nails, telling stories, helping her to the restroom, taking her for rides in the wheelchair, and feed her gluten... Now, wait, it's gagging a little bit right here. <laughs> Gluten-free ginger cookies with the small Reese's pieces attached to it. Joni loved them. All of us gagged. When here, honey, she just wolfed them down. My personal standing order was that there would be no pain. 
None. I did really well. That was the condition of this evacuation. She got the love, her kids got the love, and I, as the father, managed the field. If John Lynch got a headache while on while away signing books in Oklahoma, I was ordering 20 milligrams of liquid morphine for Joni Williams. <laughs> just in case she would feel his pain. I'm just staying ahead of the curve here with her. I was proactive. I think there was comfort in the hearts of our kids when they saw their father responding, not out of panic, but out of dependence on someone else, God. Give me a minute. Okay. When I started to think the thought of why this is taking so long, I was quickly told in a whisper, do you trust me? Do you trust me? It was a reminder, not a question, and the answer was quick. Absolutely. Where else was I to go? And my children saw that, and they were able to model it to their children. There was extraordinary peace at this evacuation site. God, Dad, who knew the next few moments, days, someone who had written the final chapter, with maturity and age, I had come to have a learned dependence on God. Life stresses had existed. This was not my first rodeo, but it was my wife and my family's first departure. So as the clock began to count down and Joni began to leave, sliding into longer and longer states of unconsciousness, seeming to drag and linger, the words sang even louder, be still and know. So fathers, men in general, actually all of us, if I was to encourage you with anything, it would be to to be still in those times of dark weather. Be still in heart. You still might have to actually paddle the canoe. But you are never alone and never very much in the, and never alone in the fight. To find an old man that you might trust and climb into his proverbial back pocket and watch, listen, ask questions, find contentment in just being still in the fact that the God who calls you son is completely pleased with you and completely in charge. Old men, be prepared to be asked. Be prepared to mentor. Ladies, it's Father's Day. I'm not leaving you out. It's no different for you. I could be talking to ladies today. Your daddy loves you and adores you. And he sees you perfectly. White as snow. Find what your dad can encourage you with and always know his plans are perfect. If there is something wrong, it must be on this end, our heart, that we do not see with our father's teeth. He is waiting for us to look, stop, and listen. To accept the gift of grace given, to actually 
in all the trauma and fear by the evil one to actually rest and find peace. Peace in the faith and over years was earned and trust formed with him. And no, you don't have to wait years to experience it. It just took me years to recognize it and to look back on those moments and go, oh, that's what that was. Trust so in those last few moments when it was time, I could look into those eyes that completely knew him, her daddy, and tell her to go, to not look back, and we'll be right behind her very soon. Fathers, soon to be fathers, what else do you actually have that we can bank on as much as we can bank on this? I do not tell the story for any other reason other than to give you all hope. Christians like to beat themselves up, and I must say, from an earthly analysis, it is probably justified. But God doesn't see you other than perfect. His son bought me and washed all that stuff away yesterday, today, stuff I'm going to do next week. His death bought that. We have no accounting left on our record. None. So when the battle rages, sometimes we can see God move while he is actually moving. Many times in those struggles, we are fighting just to breathe, just to keep our heads above water. But sometimes when we can be still and truly know, oh, man. We get to be present when our dad makes his presence known. In the middle of the melee, we who call God daddy get to look like this. That's us. In the middle of heartache and sadness, in the middle of dying and have nothing but faith in what and how we are stepping and where we are going, we can smile like this family and look into the eyes that should have nothing to smile about and yet reflecting a faith that only can come from God. This woman in that chair in the middle, she did not walk there, she was carried. Death was very, very close. She was held in place. So how did this family do this? How do they have these faces? Because Christ in us. He's there. He was there. He's there now with you, in you. Don't get me wrong, we sob like babies, but not here, not this day. Fathers, there's no power on earth that allows us to do so. Short of the love of God, there is no greater model than the one we have staked our lives on. And sometimes, in the face of death, and the unknown, you smile. God calling. <laughs> Sometimes, in the face of death, you know. 